Welcome to D-Next, the entrepreneur, innovation, and investor podcast for Durham Region, with your host, Paul Kuides. D-Next is all about the future, and in this episode, we welcome Rocco Rossi, President and CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, to explore what's next for Ontario and Durham in the transformative areas of politics, innovation, and global tech. A successful entrepreneur and business executive, champion fundraiser, and dedicated public servant, Rocco Rossi joined the Ontario Chamber of Commerce in 2018 as President and CEO. Prior to joining the OCC, Rossi most recently served as President and CEO of Prostate Cancer Canada, where he helped to advance the research, advocacy, education, and awareness of the most common cancer in men. Mr. Rossi also served as CEO of Heart and Stroke Foundation, one of Canada's largest non-profit organizations, overseeing consecutive years of record fundraising combined for over $600 million in total, and launching many new, life-saving initiatives. His passion for public policy has led him to stand for election, both for the position of Mayor of Toronto and for MPP. How do you see Ontario uniquely positioned for the future. What has changed specifically? Well, we have incredible assets. And one of the things that very much has um, changed is that um, the crisis and, and the pandemic have shone a light on and accelerated certain trends that were already present before um, the pandemic and those who uh, move quickly uh, will will benefit and be able to quote unquote build back better and specifically that's the area of the digital economy and being able to convert um, as much of your business as possible uh, online the pandemic has clearly shown us that there is an incredible digital divide in this province um, for areas that have access to broadband and those that don't, you simply are not going to be able to compete in the 21st century economy on dial-up. And it's not just for economic purposes. It is for online teaching and education. It is for virtual health care. And so uh, that is one area where we need to do an incredible amount of work. And Durham is very well positioned in many ways because you have incredible assets like Ontario Tech and Durham College to uh, to build on that and the skilling and reskilling of Ontarians is going to be crucial um, to uh, to future success. We have uh, we have assets, but we need to up our game on that front. We also have to up our game, quite frankly, in managing uh, this next wave of the pandemic through even more individual responsibility. Um, generally, Ontarians have been fantastic. It helped so crucially to flatten the curve in the first instance. Now, as we're seeing cases um, accelerate once again, uh, we need to understand that reopening is not a time for uh for lessening of vigilance it's increasing vigilance and i want to encourage everybody to uh go and download the COVID alert app it's a free app 
either through Google Play or the Apple Store, put it onto your uh, smartphone, help our frontline healthcare workers with contact tracing after positive um, testing. That is going to be one of the few ways that we have uh, to control spikes and to continue to have as much of the economy open as possible through all of this. In many ways, COVID has created its own commerce and economy, um, you know, due to the fact that we needed to respond so quickly, but things have grown out of it. Do you see the COVID reality being something that is going to stay with us for the rest of the 2020s or, or would this be a, a short term kind of blip on our path? How do you how do you see things going forward? Part of it, of course, depends on how long this goes, but certain things are are clearly uh, changed forever. I have parents in their 80s uh, and they ordered online for the first time um, and they liked it. Uh, so they are unlikely uh, to have all of their purchases online going forward. But even as things reopen, uh, the convenience and the safety and everything else around that um, will change. And that's going to have an enormous impact on uh, real uh, retail, uh, in-person retail. Similarly, the future of work, uh, while not all have the privilege of being able to uh, do their work uh, remotely, uh, for those that can, uh, this has accelerated those models. You know, so many companies who, yes, had some work from home policies, but generally small percentage still concerned about productivity. Now during the crisis, seeing what is possible, that in turn is going to have an impact on flexible workspaces. Working from home will have consequences on uh, commercial real estate, um, uh, et cetera, and also how people decide, where people decide to uh, buy homes, buy condos. Uh, it is changing, um, you know, what once were considered uh, bedroom communities are in fact now work communities because many people are able to work from home. And that's not going to snap back to uh, the way it was before. Depending on how long this goes, we have, you know, lots of concerning things in the economy. An enormous one is that uh, in this recession, unlike prior recessions, it's really hit women disproportionately hard relative to uh, to men. In part because many of the sectors, the service sector, the more sort of high uh, customer touch uh, businesses, hospitality, etc are disproportionately um, uh, women are the employees in those in those sectors and that has been shut down and is having a slower uh, return but also our our closure of schools early on our uh, fears and trepidations about uh, reopening and building out uh, safe uh, and cost-effective uh, child care is going to be critical to getting uh, women's participation in the economy back to levels. We've now dropped to levels of women's participation in the economy that we have not seen since the 80s. Uh, and that is something that 
we cannot afford as an economy and that we will not be able to uh, rebuild without putting the pieces in place um, to ensure that um, women can come back in a robust way into the economy. So another area of major impact uh, has been, of course, our Canada-US relations. You know, the, the border has been closed for an historically long period of time. What has the impact of that been? Is there an upside to that and what's the downside? Well, uh, enormous uh, downside on our tourism and hospitality uh, industries. You consider the example of places like Stratford, Ontario that had to shut down um, the, the, um, the Shakespeare Festival, uh, which is worth you know, tens and tens of millions of dollars to that region. And a big chunk of that uh, was the closure of, uh, of, of the border and not being able to have American tourists. There's lots of fishing camps, uh, outdoor uh, tourism venues throughout uh, Northwestern uh, Ontario, hugely affected uh, by it. Clearly our hotel, our airline industry um, massively harmed and and you know you don't see an easy or quick road back uh, and that we're talking about you know tens upon tens of thousands of of workers and businesses um, as well we saw and this was a trend we were seeing prior to the uh, pandemic but that was reinforced by a kind of uh, PPE nationalism, if you will, the, the, the famous case of the, the US redirecting 3M uh, N95 masks that were headed to Canada um, to, uh, to the US and um, really um, causing a lot of people, the Premier and others, uh, to say, uh, look, we believe in free trade, but they're going to be a number of, of categories where we're going to be building uh, right here in Ontario, right here in Canada. We have to uh, think about making secure some key categories and we've got to be very careful because Canada and Ontario in particular are economies that are heavily dependent on, on, on trade, far more dependent than the Americans are. Um, and uh, we, uh, we need to both assure local uh, supplies, but also continue to support uh, the global institutions that underpin freer trade because we have benefited tremendously over the years from access to multiple markets, the chief one being the United States. And so add to that, there is a, a very big election coming up in November. Do you think that we need to do some work on our international relations with the United States? Or do you feel that it'll go back to business as usual once things straighten out with the pandemic? Um, I, I, I don't think we're going to have 100% uh, business as usual. Yes, we've renegotiated and ratified uh, NAFTA 2.0, call it USMCA, call it Kuzma, and um, you know, and Mr. Trump has 
raised the specter of tariffs a couple of times, raised it for steel and aluminum right off the right off the bat, and again uh, threatened on aluminum, uh, walked that back somewhat. But this isn't simply a Trump phenomenon. Uh, I've been listening very carefully uh, to some of the things that uh, Joe Biden and the Democrats have been saying, and quite frankly. Um, they've always been, they've traditionally been more protectionist than Republicans. And you see um, this rise of, of populism under under Trump uh, and protectionist populism under, under Trump to the point where there were many voters in the Rust Belt in, uh, in the last election that were, you know, making up their minds between uh, between Donald uh, Trump and Bernie Sanders, uh, which is you know so incredibly interesting. But I I expect the main difference if um, if Vice President uh, Biden uh, does in fact win is uh, not that protectionism and those threats go away, but that at the very least uh, that the international institutions um, uh, that are in place to to underpin uh, trade that there will be far less randomness of policy, and uh, so that's at least something that can be um, can be worked on. And to your point, uh, we have to continue to uh, work our relationships out to the border, business to business, person to person, government to government. Uh, as former uh, President Bill Clinton put it uh, put it so well. Uh, many years ago. There's nothing wrong with the Canada-US relationship that can't be uh, corrected through everything that is right between those two um, economies and countries. We and they are uh, joined at the hip economically in terms of integrated supply chains, in terms of relationships between uh, people, real estate, schools, uh, and uh, we have to make that uh, that work. So one of the areas where we probably have a lot of synergy is, of course, the uh, world of technology. And Durham as a region uh, has been working very hard in the last little while with the advent of the post-secondary education infrastructure that we've built and some of the uh, uh, attraction of investment to build a, a, a robust health, uh, sorry, a tech technology sector. How, how do you see the future of Ontario's role globally uh, as a tech uh, kind of powerhouse? Are, are we competing with India or with California? Uh, we absolutely are. We are seen as an incredible producer of talent. Uh, the number of startups in the tech space um, throughout Ontario uh, nothing short of uh, remarkable, very often referred to as Silicon Valley uh, North. Our more generous and progressive immigration policy has allowed us to benefit disproportionately from brain gain from around the, the world as the U.S. has thickened its borders. So you have a lot of companies um, in the U.S. and elsewhere now setting up shop in, in Canada to be able to attract talent from around the world and build on the incredible talent being produced at Ontario Tech, at Durham, at Waterloo, at U of T, um, in the area of AI, 
uh, Canada is seen as a global uh, leader. Uh, you had Jeffrey Hinton and Joshua Bengio recently being awarded the Turing Prize uh, in, in AI. So many uh, US and global companies setting up shop here. Uh, in order to keep that going, uh, that open immigration policy, visa policy is going to be crucial. Investment in our post-secondary education system, crucial. Building out our broadband capability because you can have all the experts you want if you're not going to be able to test because uh, you, you don't have the infrastructure, that will be uh, problematic. But um, that has been a source of enormous economic growth foreign investment attraction and um, and is clearly one of the areas we want to double down on going forward. So have we had some recent economic wins or good news stories coming out of the last six months or so in Ontario? We, we most definitely uh, have. You're continuing to see uh, investment from the uh, technology uh, side. Uh, you're now seeing conversations, for instance, with uh, with Ford on electric, electric vehicles uh, in Ontario. That's not locked down by any means, but um, that is uh, incredibly uh, encouraging. Uh, you're seeing a lot of companies pivoting, uh, building out their, their uh, capabilities uh, a phenomenal company from the Ottawa Valley, Shopify, um, is now seen as a as a global leader in helping SMEs get into the the, the digital space. Um, so that's an important um, uh, an important win uh, for Ontario for Canada. Uh, the AI space again, uh, one that um, uh, that the rest of the world is really looking to uh, looking to Canada for. Uh, for leadership on, but none of this can be taken uh, for granted. At the end of the day, we are still a relatively small uh, economic uh, power. Uh, we're two, three percent of the global GDP. Um, so it is crucial uh, for us that the that the world grow because without that, we are not going to be uh, growing independently. And so we continue. Uh, to be big champions and need to be big champions of of uh, freer trade, of global institutions, um, and of openness uh, to uh, to the world. And what about as we sort of round to the end of our session here, because we are running out of time? But what about the role of the entrepreneur? I mean, those risk takers, uh, people who think differently, uh, often described as disruptors. I mean, we've lived through about six months of disruption. Uh, do we need more disruption? How important is the entrepreneur going to be going forward? Uh, the entrepreneur is critical. Uh, by, by definition, the entrepreneur is all about uh, creating the new um, and uh, taking risk. Uh, and unless you take risk, unless you're willing to invest in the new, um, then um, not only are you just going to 
not you're not going to be able to hold on to what you have you're going to retrograde because the rest of the world is continuing to uh, to innovate and one of the the biggest concerns people have in in all of the impacts of the crisis is does um, the incredible impact and pain that so many businesses and individuals are feeling does that lead people to become less willing to take risks um, and 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 that is something that we have to continue to to watch you saw incredible changes in consumer behavior because of the great depression and uh, those who came through that were a generation of savers and of people who were uh, most careful uh, and so what is the impact of this crisis again depending on how long it goes on the willingness of, of young people to get into entrepreneurship we need them we need you um, and entrepreneurship I believe uh, will continue to reward the individuals who get in in it over time uh, and continue to create tremendous value both for the innovators and for society at large. Well, I think that's good news for a lot of people, uh, myself included, because I don't think uh, I know how to uh, behave otherwise. But do you think that we do enough uh, to encourage entrepreneurs? Do, do they get the respect? Because uh, a big part of being an entrepreneur, of course, is failure. Uh, it's a part of the process. Are we doing enough to help them achieve the visions that we need collectively? We can always do more. We can always be encouraging uh, more. One of the things, you know, I talked earlier about uh, uh, about the role of women in the uh, in the economy, and one of the things is to encourage more entrepreneurship among uh, women. It is an area for far greater uh, wealth creation for themselves and their families, um, and uh, so that's always something as we think about. Uh, you know, what guidance counselors do within schools. This isn't something you just wait until university or after or college and after to talk about. Um, that celebration of entrepreneurship is not something we do as well uh, as some other uh, countries, the U.S. Uh, in particular. And, uh, and so we should be and can be doing uh, more on uh, on that front if we're going to want to continue to grow as an economy. Okay, and final question as we sort of get closer to the end of this year, um, what can Ontarians look forward to in 2021? Continued vigilance, uh, continued responsibility by all of us uh, again, download that uh, that tracking and tracing app. Make sure you get your flu shot as soon as they're uh, available uh, so that we uh, reduce um, the uh, the workload on our healthcare uh, frontline workers who have enough on their hands to uh, uh, to deal with. Um, look to um, look to governments to have to continue uh, to innovate, adjust policy uh, in order to not just 
keep people's heads above water, uh, but look to that future where we build back better. Um, and you know, my my thoughts go out to uh, uh, to everyone to uh, to stay positive and test negative. Okay, wonderful words, Rocco Rossi. Thank you very much for joining us uh, today. A great pleasure, Paul. Thanks for listening to D-Next, and thanks to our pilot episode sponsors, Durham Community Foundation and Durham Region Economic Development. For more information, visit dnextnow.com. Thanks for dropping by.